0: When it works for a couple, as it has done finally with Rosie coming along, the joy that that brings you is so rewarding to Mm. think that you've played a very small part in this massive journey is is the best thing ever, genuinely.
1: I'm Chris Lawson. In 2015, I started my journey into the world of IVF. Along the way, there was heartache, pain, wacky diets, loss of faith, and a lot of needles. It's a roller coaster ride at the best of times, and as I sat in the fertility clinic waiting room many times, alone with my thoughts, I realised that men don't talk about fertility much. That's why I decided to start up this podcast, IVF Dad. This is my story, and it features some of the experts we've met along the way, complete with advice, support, and money-saving tips. Episode 2, Great Expectations. And then you're in a hospital consultation at a private hospital with nice art, friendly reception staff and some very bright lighting. But you are in no doubt this is a hospital. And this wasn't a choice for us. If we wanted to do it, it had to be private, as we were considered too old for the NHS. That hurt. But anyway, a lovely doctor is running through the percent chances of success. And I'm sat there thinking, I'd get better odds than Arsenal winning the Premier League. But hey, the underdog can succeed. Leicester was on 5,000 to 1 at the start of 2016 when we had our appointment. Some people do get lucky. So on average, in the UK, the percentage chance of having a child if you're a 30-year-old woman is 20%. And if you're 40-plus, it lowers to around 5% with 30% of women over 40 experiencing infertility. But life's not as simple as a percentage. It will depend on a whole load of factors and previous form. A doctor was a consultant and an expert in this field, Dr Alison Taylor, and you will meet her shortly. She was pretty upfront without being overly optimistic. But hey, if you don't try, then you don't know type of attitude. And we were pretty confident that we were lucky enough for it to work. So you're in this consulting room and, and you want to be there, but you also don't. I'd quite like it sorted without the frank conversations. There's a bit of denial about whose responsibility this is. But when Trish and I went through it, we spoke beforehand about what we wanted to achieve. She's instinctive and has this brilliant way of thinking that I just don't consider sometimes. She's full fry and sometimes she's shy and I can't always tell which one's going to come out or how she's going to react. I'm the thinker, the researcher and the planner, but it doesn't really matter which way round it is or indeed if your couple dynamics are different to this, but adapting to it in these settings has its challenges. So who would like to go first as we look at each other, willing the other one to start? The doctor politely waits for a conversation to start that they must have heard a hundred times before. This is what you want to say. Basically, we want to fast track. We want you to tell us the roots that is going to lead to success and we preferably like it for under £10,000, please. Oh, and if you can, can we do it in six months, not nine? This is what you really want to say. We would both like children and we don't know whether it's possible, and we are afraid of finding out the answer. It took about three minutes to realise there wasn't going to be a straightforward answer. The consultant said, First, I'd like to get some history from you. History is a big word. Two things struck me about this as I was about to launch in. Trisha's history appeared more important than mine. I felt okay about this, I think... My granddad had eight kids and he had my dad at the age of 74 and his last child at 76 before dying at around 80. Now, that wasn't the reason why I had left it late until I was in my 40s to have children but I was pretty confident that I could also conceive kids for the next 20 years. I mean, men just can, right? No one cared about my granddad, but they did care about my history. There is stuff you are going through that might be new news for both of you. Have you had any children? Have you had any miscarriages? Have you had any abortions? Have you had any sexual diseases? Have you got anything in your past or your genetics that might make you think that you can't have children? Do you smoke? Do you smoke drugs? I got hit my bollocks once by a cricket ball. I cycled to work sometimes and I smoked in my twenties along with everyone else. I mean, where do you start and and what's important? And of course, Dr Taylor is trying to do this sympathetically and sensitively. But depending where you are on your personal journey, there's a bit of denial or a bit of desperation as you relay your answers. But how did we end up with Dr Taylor at the Lister Hospital? The fact that it's got a nice view over Chelsea Bridge was a bonus, but not the reason. It's a difficult question. I looked for hospitals with good success rates for the over 40s and Lister came out well. I also liked the pragmatic approach of a doctor who we'd met on the stand who had advised me how many times to have sex a week to maximise our chances of getting pregnant. I mean, if there was an IVF for dummies, I would have bought it. And I found the links on Wikipedia were lacking. So good hard facts were useful. I actually did quite a lot of research. I actually quite like it. When I go on holiday, I prepare a list of recommendations from a long list I have put together and then Trish chooses one, giving me some vague thanks for the hours of research I have put in. But this isn't the same as someone giving you recommendations on a travel destination. Oh, I think you would love Vietnam if you'd been to Cambodia or Thailand. This isn't talked about openly. It turned out one of my closest friends had IVF twice at list of for his children. I didn't discover that for a couple of years after we had started. We met the consultant Alison on the 14th of January 2016 and four years later, Rosie was born. So that should give you some idea of a rocky road in between. When you meet the consultant, I don't think it really occurs to you that you might be seeing her for a year or two or five. On day one, she starts writing in a file and by the end of it, There's someone following you in, bringing a trolley full of your notes. Or at least it seems that way as you squirm in your chair with embarrassment that you're still here. It's a bit like the gym. No one on day one looks you up and down and says, To be honest fella, to sort your body out you're going to need to pay your subscription for the next four years at least. But the pricing is a bit more confusing than a gym membership. You can go on the website and there's a price list and you think, What the hell does all this mean? Some restaurants have a set menu, some restaurants are a la carte, and that's the same with fertility treatment as well. Not many all-you-can-eat buffets, as far as I could see, though, in fertility treatment. We weren't lucky enough to have the NHS as an option, as Trish had just turned 40. The rules do vary from region to region, but it's a postcode lottery. Broadly speaking, though, if a female partner is under 39 then you will be allowed between one and three cycles on the NHS. It's even harder if you're a same-sex couple, and that definitely needs sorting out. In fact, the rules have changed since we had our IVF treatment, and I believe that women between 40 to 42 are now being offered one cycle on the NHS. If they've never had IVF treatment before, and may show no evidence of a low ovary count. And there's a couple other factors as well. Fortunately, we had enough money to try privately. I'd worked hard and always wanted kids and so had Trish. So what better way to spend my hard earned cash? So we pooled resources and made our visit to the Lister Hospital by Chelsea Bridge. So let's have a fact check here and introduce Alison. Don't forget you are not alone. One in six couples struggles to conceive naturally and IVF rates have tripled over the last 20 years. More than 8 million babies are born worldwide since 1978 from IVF. For us, the chances are lower due to our age, as I pointed out. But even if you're in your 30s, a woman under 35 can see live birth rates of 29%. Live birth rates. It sounds so clinical. It's a baby we're talking about here, your future child. But for us, being over 40, it was way under 10%. So here's Dr Taylor, our consultant.
0: I'm always acutely aware that actually the vast majority of people don't want to come and sit in a fertility clinic. Um, They would obviously much rather things had worked out naturally the way they would have always hoped and and wished for. How
1: do you manage being optimistic and realistic? I I think this this was one of the things that Trish and I remember most, actually, which was you you were really pragmatic in terms of what our options were and and some of them look quite bleak sometimes mm-hmm. but we always felt good coming out of it which i think is a is a real credit to to your mm-hmm. style but but it's it must be must be challenging just trying to think when you're looking at results and you're thinking there's hope but it's actually not that much hope mm-hmm. how, how how do you process it how do you manage it
0: my approach has always been to try and be really open and really honest about the possible problems and also what any potential solutions can offer and, and the chances of pregnancy with those and, and we have a huge database that we can readily call on and we'll often use in a consultation with patients so we can pull out data and say in your age group with this sort of reserve of eggs it would predict this sort of chance of pregnancy and this sort of chance of a live baby at the end of the day and how individuals or couples sort of respond to that is is very variable so i will show some young couples um, stats which i think look quite good (laughs) for the chance of a positive test and a live birth Mm. from a single blastocyst and and they'll look at it and think well that's not very high and then in other couples, I might have, you know, a woman who's perhaps 45 who's desperate to try with her own eggs. And I'll try and gently be really horribly realistic about the fact that the chance of a live baby at the end of a treatment cycle is not going to be any greater than one or 2%. And they'll say, fine, I'll take it because it, yeah. it's not zero. And yes. to me, that's worth having a go. And that decision making for couples or individuals in that situation is, is, hard and i think what we have to do is try and present the information as honestly as possible and then allow them to have a think about whether that feels something that it feels important to them to do i think for some people even when the chances we know are not high in each cycle
1: and it only takes one Um, egg and only one takes uh, one sperm well and
0: rosie is a testament to that isn't she (laughs) exactly and it's so true yeah
1: The other challenge must be about the risk, the opportunity, and then the cost of doing it yeah, as well. Yeah. And whichever way you look at it, it's just a, it's it's a huge, huge cost, it's isn't massive. it? It's
0: massive. It's absolutely massive. And I'm always acutely aware of that when I'm talking to couples because I think the financial burden of even beginning on this journey is enormous. And I know people make huge sacrifices because this is so important to them to to feel they've... Given it their best shot.
1: How is it for you, seeing the same, same patients or same couples over, sort of, you know, three years, four years, five years?
0: Once you start to get to know couples a little bit, and you've seen them um, a few times, you always want them to have that good outcome. And I can't tell you how much still, nearly thirty years into this, when it works for a couple, as it has done, finally, um, with <laughs> Rosie coming along. The joy that that brings you is, is just the best thing ever. It is absolutely amazing. And I guess that's what keeps us all doing it because that's so rewarding to mm. think that you've made a, you know, you've played a very small part in this massive journey is, is the best thing ever, genuinely. Equally well, of course, when it doesn't work, you feel it. And I really feel it. You know, I have cried Mm. and people have left the room or I felt very upset sometimes going home because the inevitability is, and you have to learn to, to live with it, is that you can't make it right all of the time.
1: As I'm sat there, these emotions are going through my head and actually our doctor was very conscious to make it feel inclusive. But I have heard of other experiences where it seems like the man can feel like an afterthought in the process. And no one gives you the solution. All they do is give you a whole load of tests to take and investigations to run and forms to sign. And all you really want to know is that if I put in the hard work, am I gonna get the answer that I want? I want to be a dad. I want to be a father. And you come away and think, well, that's a good start. And it is a good start, but nothing can prepare you to understand where the next few years are going to take you. To go to a park and see a hundred people and think, am I going to be one of the majority or am I going to be one of the unlucky ones? And feeling that park is empty or not for you and what you want just seems out of grasp or realize that all the childless people in the park are half your age. Or you go out with your mates as they discuss parenthood and sleepless nights and they say, you don't know how good you have it being able to travel and go out. And you think, what would I give to trade to be in your position? I'd trade my left testicle to be in your position if it wasn't so important. So what's my advice for you on that first appointment? Work out your history. Agree with your partner in advance what you want to do. Clear any skeletons out of the closet beforehand. Prepare a list of questions and write them down and go with an open mind and go together. This only works if you see yourself as an equal partner in all of this. That means you need to show up physically as well as mentally. Look at it from a team point of view. You can't all be strikers, but you need the full team to be behind you. Your role is going to be coach as well as defence, wingman, penalty taker and team masseur. And trust me, there is going to be a lot of demand for the masseur. Next episode, we take you for your first MOT, the test for STDs and the first of many joyous experiences known in the trade as the sperm test. Thank you for listening. This has been IVF Dad. I started this podcast to provide support during the lonely fertility journey and ensure others didn't suffer in silence. So please do share it with anyone it can help. Log on to IVFdad.com. I would love to hear from you and hear your stories. For future episodes, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, etc. Follow us on Insta and Twitter at IVF Dad podcast, and on the website. Check out the email and the show notes. There's some great links, advice and money-saving tips. Stay healthy, stay positive and remember, it only takes one.